getting this thing started, how would you describe what it is that you do exactly? Essentially, the entire work revolves around spiritual awakening, um, the, the practice of self-inquiry. So in a simple way, I would just say, I just help people bring depth to the practice of meditation and overall spiritual understanding of what life really is, what who you really are. Yeah. Mm. All right. How do we do that? Is there like a summary of how you go about doing that? I know it's probably a uh, slightly complicated process, slightly in-depth process, but could you give us some... Actually, ultimately, anything that is closer to the truth will always be very simple. Mm -hmm. Only the mind complicates things. Mm -hmm. So, of course, it requires a deeper look in your experience, you know, to... And, and what that first requires before we even get into any practice components, it's a... And you have to have an openness to the possibility that everything that you currently take to be true and believe to be real and true may not be true. I feel like if we start with that openness, that willingness to like, you know, conceive of the possibility that, hey, everything that I take to be true may not be so, then it prepares you for meditation. It prepares you for self-inquiry. And self-inquiry is just a deeper look into your experience to see things as they really are. So that really like, it consists of three components. Like, you know, recently I, I, I thought of this and I'm like, if I was to just really put in like simple steps or some uh, three categories, like what would self-inquiry come down to? Or even just like all, like spiritual practice, what, it will, what would it really come down to the essence of it, right? So the, fir the first component is definitely silencing the mind. And not like trying to, you know, shut the mind up because it's not the mind that's a problem, but our immersion in the mind is what continues to recreate our belief systems, our ideas, mm -hmm. our whole structure of who I am and what life is. So in order to have any clarity, to grow in the understanding of things the way they really are, we have to step out of that, at least for a few moments every day. You know, mm -hmm. So the first component of self-inquiry meditation really is about learning to step out of mind which is concepts, concepts about what life is, about who I am, right? These are just stories running in our mind. So the first aspect is learning to disengage from that psychological chatter. Because naturally, when you disengage from the psychological chatter and thoughts aren't telling you what is real, what life is, who you are, when there's no narrative about what life is, then all there is is just life as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, when you step out of thought, you are simply there. Like you don't disappear, but no longer is a narrative running about telling you about things, you know, because those are just ideas. Yeah. So to really come in touch with life as it is, you have to step out of concepts. Mm -hmm. So that's the first component of it. Mm. The second, I would say, is self-observation, right? Like through just day-to-day -day life you have to learn to rather than like just taking yourself to be the person that is acting and thinking and doing you have to like start to objectify that whole process so it's like you start to see the person as an object of your seeing you start to observe the processes unfolding of like thinking feeling doing 
rather than being those processes, you start to observe them mm-hmm. at a distance. Because here you you come to know so much, you know, you come to understand so many of your own perceived limitations. You start to become aware of the beliefs you were, you were previously operating under or through. Now they start to be seen, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. So self-observation is a crucial component of it as well. And last but not least, if anything, the most important aspect of self-inquiry is an ongoing discernment between the self versus the experience that is appearing. The changeless self and changeful experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're constantly discerning between what you innately feel as self, or 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 even in a simpler way, we can say discerning between the seer and the scene. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Mm. So all three of these, like, you know, this discernment between the seer and the scene, observing the personal self as an object. And silencing the mind, turning away from concepts. They're all kind of linked. It's not like necessarily distinct steps, but in a way they are also. So it's like they all feed into each other. And I think the overall that like that's what the umbrella of the essence of spiritual practice really is. Yeah. 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 I like your third step, the Mm -hmm. discernment, because that's what really matters. Mm -hmm. Is discerning in changing the way that one acts with this newfound state of being this new sense of self that's what really matters i feel in the spiritual path would you say that so when we discern do you feel as though you just naturally act different you know is there a natural flow toward maybe giving back to your fellow human being um treating yourself differently like how would you say in your discernment that sunny is different. I think that anybody who genuinely devotes themselves to any one of these three, anybody who genuinely devotes themselves to spiritual practice, which is not um, at all like a, even like a, we like to think of it as a mystical thing, but it's actually very practical. It yeah. is very just like learning to look at your experience and what you want is truth. Mm-hmm. You're not doing this for any necessarily like personal gain or in order to just feel better. You are genuinely interested in understanding the truth of yourself, understanding the truth of your experience. And if anybody has that level of like devotion to any one of these practices, naturally what unfolds from that is like more harmonious thought, speech, and action. Because these are like, these are like on the surface level, you know, these are like byproducts. I don't even think that the point of spiritual practice is uh, to create harmonious thought, speech, and action, but that's just a beneficial byproduct that arises naturally because all of those things that create dysfunction and suffering are rooted in a wrong understanding of who I am. They are rooted in limited understanding in personal identity. So all of our dysfunctional behaviors and thoughts and speech, which create suffering for ourselves and others, it's rooted in personal identity, which is right. Like all those actions revolve around a personal self who is Mm -hmm. trying to get benefit at the expense of everything else. Mm -hmm. Naturally, as you do this work and you start to understand what you are prior to 
just the personal self that is appearing in your experience prior to any experience you're you're becoming more established in a universal identity a greater sense of what you are which doesn't only encompass right, like the little person but rather everything that is appearing yeah so like i don't think uh like for maybe a certain while like especially when we begin the practice we have to make an effort to act rightly you know like for the sake of acting right but i think anybody who is genuinely observing even their experience and learning from it they will naturally come to see that hey these set of this set of like thoughts and actions create dysfunction and suffering not only for others for but for myself too and this set of um thoughts and actions create harmony mm-hmm. so naturally it's just more practical to choose that which creates harmony so i feel like that just happens underneath the surface of our perception those types of changes they just start to unfold as we take meditation more seriously and are genuinely interested in understanding the truth mm-hmm. yeah yeah natural harmony mm. so what would you say holds us back the greatest from understanding uh our sense of truth immersion in thoughts because that is where the bondage lies it is these thoughts which are creating stories and narratives about life you know thoughts thoughts can never touch life as it actually is yeah they're they're only they can only create ideas about something for example like even the image that i may have of a table is not a table it is just an image it is just an idea about life as it actually is you see so it's like especially when people come to like the the spiritual path the the main thing that keeps holding them back is that they run away from the silence which is ultimately the answer to all their questions mm-hmm. you know silence mm-hmm. it, i don't know maybe you've heard this but it's like sil- uh, many teachers say silence is the highest teaching it is because it, it truly is and like in the absence of concepts you come to naturally understand more and more right your your vision becomes clearer and not like your eyesight but like your understanding your your cl- like vision with which you perceive you start to become more subtler in your perception you pick up on things that previously you weren't picking up on you start mm-hmm. to literally unravel so many ideas that you had that were totally untrue like this i think this whole restructuring process begins to happen just naturally through silence yeah and that's really also like the main uh, one of the main as- uh, the points of the all the work that i do as well uh, with all the content i make is helping people understand that because i see you know every a lot of people in the especially in like non dual circles and all this whole spiritual community that they continue to run away from silence mm-hmm. it's not that we're trying to create a ritual of like sit down meditation and like that's the ultimate thing because i do believe that hey all of these things have to be embodied in day to day personal life but i think silence is the foundation upon which you know all that is built so as as you said earlier the point about discernment like resonated with you our capacity to discern will be so m- minimal if we're not allowing ourselves to rest outside of concepts yeah you know like i think if we are not allowing ourselves to just 
you know, every single day for a few moments, at least like letting go of everything, letting go of me and mine, me and my life, letting mm -hmm. go of, oh, what I, ideas about what I want, future, past, like what has happened, who I'm like, right? Even like letting go of what I want spiritually, like what I want to realize or whatever. When you rest totally free from all motive, all desire, all want, all caring, just you're just putting the whole personal mask down. That is where you start to recognize your oneness of identity with the whole. Mm. You know, that is where you start to really touch life as it really is. It mm. sounds abstract, but it's actually quite practical. Yeah, it does sound abstract. To anyone that has no idea, that's just listening, right? They're like, well, that's, I got to pay the bills, man. You know, I got things to do. But it is very practical, right? To be able to do this and tap in to the stillness. All it takes, man, is to just disconnect. Go find a quiet place and breathe for a little bit. And you can feel it. But you have to stay dedicated to it. To a certain extent, you have to be um, very vigorous in one's practice, especially in the beginning, I feel. That's personally speaking. Would you yeah. say the same thing? Would you, do you recommend just, um, you know, to somebody getting started on this path, practice regularly, even if it's just for maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes a day? Actually, to everybody that uh, I work with and even on my channel, like I, I, what, if they're really willing and they're wanting to grow in this, then I tell them to have a foundational practice of you sit down twice per day for 20 to 30 minutes each. Mm -hmm. If you really think that's a lot, like if someone does think that's a lot, then I say at least start with one session. But the thing is, it has to be, you have to do your best to do it every single day. And it has to be consistent over a long period of time, because especially in the beginning, because we are so entangled in our concepts and our mental resistances and our cravings and impulses that like the mind will very cunningly continue to try to convince you of like the, of how you don't need to do it or you yeah. shouldn't do it or like, it's oh, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's just, and it's constantly looking for progress and measuring this and that, but it's like with meditation, it's not necessarily linear. And also, especially in the beginning, a lot of like the quote unquote gains are happening underneath the surface of your perception. Mm. You, you don't actually understand the difference until it hits you like in the face, you know, and you, you see that like, in a way, nothing is different, like on the surface, but like, you see that nothing is the same. You're way lighter. Your perception is clearer. Mm -hmm you feel more connected, you feel more alive, you feel more peaceful. So those are like the beginning aspects of beginning stages of it, right? Like you, you're just in it to like, as almost like a safe haven, you want to feel more yeah, peaceful yeah. and you want to have clarity, mm -hmm. but that starts to grow like this, this bug of the desire for self-knowledge, the desire for truth begins to grow within you. Yeah. And so even if like, let's say someone leading a very busy life and they're worried about the practical stuff and I'm like, Hey, you don't got to give up any of that stuff. Like what you're, when you're being asked to sit in silence for even, let's say you want to start just 15 minutes a day, like that takes away nothing from the way you normally live your life. So yeah. to such a person, I would recommend, Hey, like do whatever you want, live as you want, as, as you are living right now, but you just start implementing this once in your day. Mm -hmm. And naturally through that, like that is your window where like a, a deep wisdom will start to grow within you and it will start to take over everything else.
Yeah. Mm-hmm. People want to like get into meditation and they don't want to do the meditation, but it's like, they want to be able to practice spontaneously throughout the day. Right. Like yeah. they're like, mm-hmm. Oh no, I practice while I'm doing this and that. No, like <laughs> you mm-hmm. try that, you do that. But it's like, especially in the beginning, if you don't have that foundation where you are, you are away from everything and you are just simply going within yourself, then like, again, your capacity to even practice during the day-to-day stuff, or especially when you're in a difficult situation, hectic situation, or like a life crisis, the capacity to practice during those moments will be absolutely minute. Yeah. You know, so to just a practical way to go about it, that's why I just sort of like always preach making it a consistent practice where you do sit down because I know that from there, the whole thing grows, you know, and then you don't have to be so ritualistic about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but then you don't even look at it as a chore. You are just consistent because you see the benefit of it. And you see that like, you can't even live without it in a way yeah. at a certain point, because you see that like the world continues to just entangle you and without a proper foundation of silence, you get lost in, in the hecticness of the world and the person, you know, mm, well said. Now, would you say once we lay the foundation that eventually we do live in stillness and we do bring that foundation of stillness into the goings-on of our life? Yeah, absolutely. As we create a proper foundation, not so, so firstly is like our desire for truth grows. And as our desire for truth goes, then we genuinely look forward to the practice and we want to do it more. And we see it as a as a doorway to truth, right? Because like our thoughts aren't take like thoughts aren't leading you to spiritual understanding. You start to see how like concepts cannot grasp it. So you have to surrender to silence. You have to surrender your thoughts to silence yeah. and simply be. So as you start to do that, you naturally become more and more aware of the changeless presence, which is always as it is, never more, never less, regardless of what experience is arising in this moment whether that is sitting in meditation or being in a marketplace with your family or doing work. So you start to become more aware of that changeless, ever-present self, which is always as it is. And that is ultimately the essence of meditation. You are discovering a new dimension of being. You are discovering a new depth to what you are. You start to see that everything I take myself to be along with the world that I'm experiencing. It is a constantly changeful experience in my seeing, not the person seeing the person itself is being seen to change while I am not changing. So you see your understanding of self is growing subtler, deeper. Yeah. And it's not something that is being maintained, right? The person's always made, trying to maintain awareness and whatnot. Yeah. And you start to, as you start to like, as you practice more, you st- we start to see that the self that is aware is not being maintained because it is never more or less. It is simply here. It is that which is present. It is in the presence of self where this experience is currently appearing to be like so true and real. 
but in a few moments this experience will no longer be real so something else will be appearing to be real and then soon that will know so you see like everything that is experienceable is just an appearance that is changing all that is ultimately real is the self which is present and in its presence the experience that is currently being illumined appears to be real it's not the experience that is real it is the presence which enlivens it the presence is what we call the now the now is the presence of the self that we are yeah so we start to get more and we can call it get more in touch with but it's just like you start to realize that you, that is your true identity mm-hmm. and you you start to no longer attribute a great sense of identity and self to the mental process the emotional process the personal action everything starts to be more and more seen to be an experience that is appearing yeah. it is like a life story being displayed but it's no longer like self it is no longer me and mine <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah wow that was well said man mm-hmm. wow that's what like a lot of the great sages you may hear they say that the greatest hin- uh, hindrance to your spiritual growth is this idea me and mine this idea i right like what you take i to be and everything that revolves around that like your whole life and all that stuff like that is the idea that has to be given up mm-hmm. so i always say to people like hey don't worry about like maintaining this or like oh, what cuz instantly the mind starts doubting and questioning and resisting like how can i maintain this what i'm like don't worry about any of that just in this moment can you just for this moment let go of attributing so much significance to what happens to you. Yeah. Right? Like to your personal self. Can you just let all thought, all motivity, all intention go? Because when we let that go, we discover our just like okay, I I I usually ask like okay, when you let all that go, what remains? You know? Like when thought is not there to tell you who you are who are you as what do you remain ultimate freedom peace yeah you see like the mind can describe it in any way but it's like, like ultimately even those labels don't matter but it's like yeah. when when all that is let go of you just are what you are in essence yeah. and that's like uh, the main teaching of ramana marshi he says in this right knowledge in this practice like knowledge of the self is not like like typical knowledge you don't know the self as something here to know the self is the same as being the self mm. right so it's like when we drop all those descriptions you are already the self that you are already what you are but you don't know yourself as an object because any object you could know is also a changeful experience that is not you so you don't you can't objectify the self you can't see it through the instruments of eyesight uh you know smelling all, like the sense perceptions or even thought because all those are experiences being seen by you yeah mm-hmm. when you drop when you let go of immersion in all sense perceptions and all thoughts and all experience you simply are what you are and you start to grow in your clarity with which you see that yeah you start to be the self and in other words to be is to know to know is to be yeah hmm that's good to be is to know to know is to be mm-hmm. i like that one mm-hmm. wow so would you say sage is like ramana 
they live in this state they, they are the state they are truth they are walking embodiment of truth for all of us to see and to not only see in themselves but also to reflect and embody in ourselves mm -hmm. as well yeah we could say that personally right like for us to say that we have to step in the idea that hey i am a person and ramana is another person or this teacher is another person and they are living embodiment of truth but it's funny when such questions are asked to such teachers and sages are you always in that state you know you often hear them say that like that state is the only thing that actually is you know yeah. even you are in that you even you are that right now yeah so you see it's like spiritual quest is not about attaining something that you don't have it's not about achieving a state that you currently don't have it is simply about removing ignorance escaping the grasp of ignorance you know so and and that is why you have we have to step out of concepts because concepts are the creator of ignorance mm -hmm. right meaning concepts make things appear to be something else they make a life to appear to be something other than it actually is when we start to step out of concepts we start to really experience life as it is a silent clarity that is beyond all practical insights of the mind like that starts to take over yeah mm -hmm. yeah so even step out of the concept of another person that has stepped out of concept yeah i mean you know like again like that that is the it's funny right because it's so simple but it's like that is why well, where we have a hardest challenge because we have so much sense of importance invested in concepts mm -hmm. in our assumptions and our beliefs so we have a hard time with that but that's where the meditation practice helps it gradually just helps you detach from concepts helps you outgrow your like the unconscious importance that you attribute to uh concepts yeah. and beliefs so yeah like in meditation just hey let, let, it, let it all go let it yeah. all go and continue to see what remains yeah and meditation. any teacher they all say that like you know you may take me to be the body but like <laughs> that is your idea of it yeah yeah mm. Mm. well said <sighs> meditation major key major key to anyone listening, there's only so many podcasts that one can listen to. There's only so many YouTube videos that yeah. one can watch. It's not going to do it for you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I recommend just meditate. Meditate earnestly. Yeah. With this it's almost like, you know, the videos we watch and these types of talks. I mean, one, we engage in them because that is our area of interest, right? But all, and they're fun why not you know there's no yeah. harm in it but it's like if we feel like uh, we're going to eventually stumble upon a video that is going to have the answer that is yeah. incorrect and that is yeah. just deluding yourself and constantly like people only relying on talks or guided meditations you will see that like in the moment they have some profound effect right and they they feel they they resonate and they give you some momentary clarity but gradually the effect of those words no matter how many times you watch that video again and again like they, they will wear out and you will always find yourself seeking the next pointer the next word the next talk you yeah. see the mind yeah. will always need more mm -hmm. whereas in silence you right you 
you start to discover that which has no concept of more or this or that. Like there's just a inner intelligence which begins to grow. So that's why it, it is so necessary. Like then we can engage in these talks and watch videos and read books for our enjoyment. And also they support our practice. They continue to refresh things, give us new perspectives, give us new angles into how to approach it. And they plant certain seeds, like spiritual yeah. seeds. Yeah. Teachings we may not understand, but then in silence, those seeds, like those, those, those words are digested. The, the, I say, I refer to silence as like creating the proper environment for the seed to grow. So silence is like you watering the plant, like giving it sunlight and all that stuff until it naturally grows into like a giant tree of wisdom. Mm. So there has to be a good balance, right? Like conceptual learning and freedom from concepts mm -hmm. ultimately mm -hmm. like if if one has to do only one then right freedom from concepts because it'll still take you there but concepts alone will not cannot do it yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah it just brings up the classic adage of um don't mistake the finger pointing at the moon exactly yeah you know? absolutely all the talks that i give or anything that i uh, may share I do my best to make it like just a pointing. Yeah. You know, exactly. I'm not interested in conceptualizing about things, you know, like I always try to keep my content tailored around only pointing to directly into the direct experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that way it actually has some benefit because, and when like, when I get questions that are too conceptual sometimes i will just you know like not answer them or tell them also to see the thing in a, in a new way because once again like we can talk about concepts for hours but an, a moment of silence is more helpful than an hour of conversation mm -hmm. over concepts yeah yeah very true damn yeah Sometimes I'm like, well, why am I doing these things? You know, I've done over 100 or so podcasts. It's like, how much more do I have to speak about this and say the same thing over and over again? You know? Yeah, I feel that way sometimes too. <laughs> um, but it's, that's what's beautiful about it too. You know, like the teaching continues to express itself in an infinite number of ways. You always feel like, hey, I've said enough, but it's like it continues to dance in more creative and beautiful ways. And, yeah. and that's awesome. You know, like that's why this should continue. Like, you know, there's a quote by uh, a great Indian sage, Ramakrishna. He says, like, if you are like for an earnest seeker, if you are to think or speak about something, speak about God, speak about truth. Mm. Mm. So it's like, of course, uh, this must continue. But as long as it is followed by a genuine devotion for truth and uh, surrender into silence, then spiritual knowledge really sprouts. Wisdom naturally sprouts. Mm. Well said. <sighs> I feel as though once one is on this wavelength of stillness, touching upon the stillness, then from there... It's just a matter of staying aligned with that in one's life. However we go about it. Regular meditation most likely is how we go yeah. about it. But the hardest part per se is getting that taste. I feel as though even just having that sense, that slight glimpse 
into a greater sense of being. That, to me, I feel as though is the next step that humanity has to cross. This next step that we have to take is knowing that there is a different way to see ourselves, right? Getting yeah. out of the illusion of concepts, the, you know, the, it's like a prison of concept. But once you do and you know there is a way out, you can't see another way, you know? So what do you say is um, the number one way or a few ways that we get out of this conceptual framework of sense of self, you know, the, uh, the conceptual mm -hmm. self? Like what gets people aligned with this? suffering <laughs> yeah definitely. nothing can do it other than suffering you know yeah. um and so like no, notice that like you can't do it for anybody i can't do it for anybody nobody yeah. can do it for anybody it has to come from within so you know there's a teaching by the buddha he says even hearing about enlightenment is a great blessing mm -hmm. you know it's like so this has to come from within it from life itself from god itself you can't turn anybody onto the path when it's not their time like, I just think about also my, my life that I was on such a different path that there's nobody or nothing they could have done or uh, said to me that would make me care about going deeply into this search for self-knowledge. Yeah. It's just not possible. Like I had to like your, your mental pride, your belief system, your arrogance of, of like doership, you being the doer of your life and being in control, like that all has to be broken down by suffering over time when you yeah. start to realize your own limitations you start to realize that life is not the way that you took it to be and you start to question like because only when you're in that state you start to question what is this mm -hmm. what is life mm -hmm. that is the beginning of your spiritual journey and yeah then as long as that flame of self-discovery is burning brightly within you you continue to penetrate deeper and deeper mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting when you put it that way suffering is the beginning of the spiritual journey yeah suffering until it breaks you down to the point where you're like okay what is life who am yeah. who am i is this it like yeah. that is the beginning because I, you know pe people suffer for years but it's like they may not necessarily come to this yeah. but when suffering really breaks you down to that point where your belief in the foundations and structures of conditioned uh, like reality as it like when those crumble that's when you become open right when we started this talk yeah. today and you asked me like what is necessary for uh, to understand yourself i started like i said before we even begin with the practice you have to start with an openness to yeah. the possibility that everything you take to be true may be untrue yeah mm. so i think that suffering that's what it does to us and that's why in that case it is beneficial interesting it's yeah. not pleasant, but it is beneficial. <laughs> yeah. And you you can you probably can attest to that fact that like any yeah. period of suffering that you've ever had in your life has made you realize the deepest things, like have, have made you wiser, have made you grow in ways that like pleasure could not have. Because oh, pleasure yeah. often only binds us further into illusion and pride, you know. Mm -hmm. Suffering does the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Suffering opened me up to new potential possibilities of finding the so-called happiness in life because yeah. i tried to find it in other things as we all do the comings and going of life trying to find it in the pleasures um and it didn't last 
you could say no. never added up to what um to the american dream yeah so yes. i don't know really i don't know when it started I, there was probably some specific point but it was a point sometime where everything switched and it had to do with meditation it was around meditation it was around the time when i was getting into meditation and it just allowed me to see that it's um you know it's a fruitless endeavor to chase happiness peace joy whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. in the conceptual framework of living yeah, and totally. uh yeah ever since then I've been on a different wavelength and it was because of suffering man just general uh, mental illness to be honest with you yeah <laughs> i think that's why a lot of people are mentally ill we have misplaced priorities on how to go about finding so-called happiness peace yeah. stillness and it's um the mental illness is uh it's a symptom that it, eventually will i think lead us to the promised land you know lead us to a sense of openness so that we can reside in the sense of stillness but um i don't know what's yeah. it going to take for all of us to get the message just more suffering i guess unfortunately we, i guess we suffer until we get the message right is that it well yeah exactly like the uh, the in Buddhist teachings, suffering is the one of the, it's like the one of the characteristics of experience. Yeah. So the three characteristics are impermanence, right? Everything, not just the external world, but also everything you take yourself to be, they say, right? The, uh, Buddha says, observe, everything is impermanent. You can't even find any solidity, any stability in your idea of yourself. Even your idea of yourself, which is your personality, who you are as a person, even that is a changeful experience. Of course, the body is changeful experience, but even like down to, to your mental core of like your conceived identity, even that is a changeful experience, equally as changeful as the world that we perceive. Mm -hmm. And the, the second characteristic of experience is that there's no self in experience, like nothing, no sensation, no thought, no feeling, no sense perception, nothing you can see, hear, taste, touch, feel, think is the self. And that brings the third characteristic, which is identification with experience is the root cause of suffering. Mm -hmm. Like it creates suffering. So suffering is inherent in experience when one takes it oneself to be that yeah mm -hmm. because out of personal identity is born craving and aversion wanting of something or a, a resisting of something that is the essence of where suffering is born and so if you ever go to like a vipassana retreat or something like that like you'll see like that's the main teaching hey observe without judgment because when you observe without judgment, you are breaking down this mental structure of craving and aversion. Because even your craving and aversion start to come under your ob observation. Previously, they were you. You were the craver and the resistor, and right, you were the sufferer. Yeah. But now the sufferer becomes objectified in your seeing, and you see that I am not that. Yeah. 
even that starts to become objectified as a tra transient, changeful experience. Yeah. And the more clear we become in this, the more free we become from suffering and the yeah. more we are becoming established in our true identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So suffering in that way is extremely beneficial mm -hmm. for you. It was like mental, but like for me, it was physical, right? Like my, my whole physical health broke down uh, when I was in my teens, like 15, 16, I think. Mm -hmm. And that went on for a lot of years. It was deeply suffering. So you first broke down physically, then then emotionally and mentally also. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, for me, it was just about like healing myself, right? So when some personal development teachings and beginner spiritual teachings started to come to me, it was all just about healing and becoming better. Yeah. And then that that's why they lit me on fire because I noticed that like I was getting better mm -hmm. as I started to change the way I think and conceive of my situation. And I started to meditate. But then my my journey became more about like, oh, you know, like I went from a broken ego, like a weak ego to like strong ego, right? I wanted mm -hmm. to gain more. I wanted, so like I wanted to have be successful. I wanted to, you know, achieve this and that. Soon into that process, like when I did start to get some results, like for the, as, uh, as we talked earlier, like for the first few years, I, you know, I, I didn't get any results for the work I was doing. But like once I started to, get the results and i started to make money and all that stuff I, I became very prideful but i noticed a restlessness in my mind that would not go away it, it was always afraid of losing what i gained yeah. and it was always endlessly craving more more and i started to also see the people in the circles that i was in like the entrepreneur circles i was in that like no matter how much, like these people were making like 50 times more money than me at that time. But it's like, no matter how much money they had, I noticed within them, it's like, they're constantly just wanting more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And then once I went on like a vacation and I was, uh, it, it was a beautiful island, right? Like, and it was very private beach, like literally nobody there uh, other than me and my partner and we were there. And um, she was like a little away so i had a moment to myself and i was like in crystal clear blue water and just like floating and it was a blissful experience but even in that experience i noticed that my mind was like worrying about yeah. oh like my business or work or like what i what i have to do when i get home or like yeah. what's my next step and i'm like hey even in this like blissful experience <laughs> where i don't need any worry i don't need to think about like still mind is just worried restless yeah that was my beginning into self-inquiry because i started to realize that like no matter what i achieve no matter what experience i have it's not the answer mm. coincidentally wow. like the next month the book who am i by ramana marshi came into my experience <laughs> and like that was the i think that was the beginning of the end for my like just chase for success or personal seeking it all became, that's when my gen life genuinely started to become more tailored towards the search for truth. Wow. You know? Yeah. That's pretty cool because we think of suffering as being this dark, decrepit um, yeah, yeah. state. And it was for you, I guess, when you were young, but you were still suffering amidst having this exactly. Everybody life. is. Yeah. Everybody is. Everybody that we... And, you know, like you could watch these like Netflix shows where like all these people are like, you know, like the uh, my, my wife watches like this show, there's a real estate show and they have, they're so rich and they have all the things that's like they're suffering. Mm. Yeah. Like that's the fact like that's the that's an unescapable fact of 
experience, as right, it says in the Buddhist teachings, you cannot escape the suffering until you have a deeper look at yourself and understand yourself as you really are. Personal identity equals suffering. There's no way to get out of that. There's no way to escape that fact. Yeah. Suffering may be intense or it may be minute, like that restlessness in, uh, that I spoke of, but it is suffering regardless. And only when one really starts to observe that and gets sick of it, totally intolerant of it, then they are open to the search for truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me enter the stream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, well said, man. <sighs> I don't know where else to go from here, to be <laughs> honest. I think that's a good note to wrap this thing up at. Um, yeah, sure. Unless you have something else to say. Do you have anything else you want to say? Nothing. I mean, uh, I always just say, like, if this talk resonated, if any real like spiritual talk resonates with you, do your best to embody it. Don't just let it be a talk that you hear that yeah. temporarily maybe resonates with you and then you just forget about it. Mm -hmm. Like we, we have to do our best to embody the truth in our day-to-day -day lives. Even the things we realize in meditation and awaken to, then we have to embody those. Like we have to live in alignment with what we come to realize. Yeah. And the more we do that, the more is bestowed upon us. That's just, uh, I'm speaking from my experience that like the more I devote myself to this, the more clarity and wisdom and understanding is bestowed upon me. Mm -hmm. And like the more that happens, don't take ownership over it. Don't take pride over yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Because that will just continue to feed your idea of yours. Like, yeah. right. The mind comes in and it's like, oh, I'm wise now. But you see how <laughs> silly that it, 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 that is because like, you did nothing for the teaching to come into your experience. Mm -hmm. You did nothing for the to for this path to come to you. It just happened, right? Yeah. When it was time. And so you were also doing even like the interest to watch a talk like this, even the desire to sit in meditation, it's all coming from a power that is vaster than your mental intelligence. Mm -hmm. You're not doing it. You are simply the instrument of that. You are simply that's just a story that is appearing yes. so all the things you come to realize and awaken to are also not yours because you, there is no like the, the one on behalf of whom we are claiming these realizations is not the self mm -hmm. you know the person didn't create it the person doesn't so yeah uh i uh, so that's also my advice to everybody that is resonant towards this message is that maintain a deep devotion to truth in your heart and remain deeply humble Right. Like um, there's a quote by Hanuman. Uh, he's like, speak, he's speaking to Ram, his, uh, so it's like an Indian mythology. And he says to Ram, and he's like, so Ram is like the supreme, you know, Godhead, whatever. And he's speaking to him is like, when I, when I feel that I'm separate from you, I am your servant. When I um, take, so, or when I take myself to be like my form, I am your servant. When I take myself to be the soul, I am a spark of your divine light. And when I know myself as I really am, you and I are one, right? I am one in identity with you. So going about this spiritual path and like doing your best, it's like remain deeply humble mm -hmm. and all will be bestowed upon you. That's just the way that I see it. It's been, it just removes that mental obstacle of pride. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Jay Ram. <laughs> very much um yeah. sunny man you got away with words 
keep doing your thing. I appreciate you coming on here and uh, sharing your time, effort, and wisdom with all of us. I felt a little unclassed. I just wanted to sit back and listen to you talk on this one. So <laughs> thank you for thanks. coming on here. It's been an honor, man. Yeah, thanks for your interest in um, meeting up and interviewing me as well. Best of luck with your endeavor. I, as long as you're having these awesome talks, I know um, not only are other people going to be benefited by it, but I think you know, you're going to continue doing great work. So that's awesome. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank you, man. Thank you for anybody that listened this long. And uh, peace and love. Peace and love to everybody.